Uh, Christianity, in essence, and the bottom line is, can't be the only way. And that's what they're saying. And they're saying that so that they can take your message and your call, as Acts 17 says, to repent. And they're going to say, I don't want to repent, and I don't want to put my trust in your Christ that you're presenting to me, because it cannot be the only way. So I'm going to reject it as even a way, and certainly not a way that I'm going to get involved in, because I'm claiming it can't be the only way. All right, well, let's think about this just in terms of comparing those statements with the nature of truth. We've talked about this, but let me review and at least summarize that when we speak of truth and truth claims, we're talking about what philosophers would call a correspondence theory of truth, that there is a series of, uh, a theory of truth that says if we're going to make a truth claim, what we're saying is that that truth claim has some kind of correspondence with what is real and objective. Uh, And in other words, you need to make the distinction between what is objective and what is not objective. Reality, we would say, is something outside of ourselves. It is objective. You cannot have, as we often hear people say, become very popular in modern English, to talk about my truth. You can't really have your truth, because your truth cannot be personalized. Uh, You can definitely subscribe to something that may be true because the claim that you're making corresponds with reality, but you can't say it's true simply because it's something that I claim. And the distinction we tried to make early on in this series, and I think it was in week one actually we dealt with it, is we're dealing with two different kinds of claims. One is a claim of preference, and it may be a truthful statement about my subjective feelings. I think deep dish pizza is the best. I think orange sherbet is, is good I, and, and is the best sherbet that they make. I, I, I like, you know, whatever it might be, this kind of, 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 of car. My preference cannot be um, made to fall into a category that I say, well, that's a kind of truth that you can have, but everyone's going to disagree about it. You like that car, he likes this car, uh, he likes that ice cream, I like this ice cream, uh, we like this kind of pizza, and those guys like that kind of pizza, and that's what religion is. Religion is a subjective preference, and, and that's what people are saying. But Christianity is not giving you that option. Christianity, as we looked at in the first week of our series, is making an assertion about things that we think are objectively true. We're making a statement when we say something about Christianity, about heaven, about the afterlife, about God, about how to be right with God, about what sin is, about how to have your sins forgiven. We're saying something, we're claiming something, we're asserting something that we say has a connection with reality. Therefore, they can't say to us, if you're going to make a religious claim, well, that's a subjective claim, or that's a truth that can be your truth, but it doesn't have to be my truth because There's a different kind of truth, a category of truth that deals with science and facts and history, but religion is simply making religious truth claims, and those truth claims uh, can be whatever you want them to be. Uh, That we haven't left open to ourselves, and if you've jumped on in the end of this series, you might want to go back to the first week where we spent more time on this topic of the nature of truth. What we're saying, in essence, and very simply, is conflicting claims about truth cannot all be true. In other words, conflicting truth claims, if you've got A and B, they cannot both be true if they are saying different things. Let's start at the baseline here. Our first topic that we tackled was, is there a God? You cannot come to the conclusion that there's not a God, and then someone say, well, I believe there is a God. Well, since we're talking about God, and that's a religious category, well, you can be right being an atheist, and I can be right being a theist. 
These are conflicting truth claims. There either is something we can define as God or there's not something we can define as God. Those both cannot be true. Someone is right and someone's wrong because what we believe about truth is that it must correspond to reality. There either is a God objectively in reality or there's not a God. And those claims cannot both be held as true simply because you hold one and someone else holds something different. And we say, well, let's just both say that we're right. The Bible, for instance, is it God's revelation? Has God revealed his thoughts in the pages of this text? Has he codified and inscripturated his words, his thoughts, his propositional statements of truth to us in the pages of the Bible? Or he has not done that. And as we often talk about, is this man's best thoughts about God? Or is these, are these God's thoughts on paper? Or is this just fable and fiction, fantasy, the, the, the musings of, of lunatics? I mean, we've got to come to a conclusion about what the Bible is or it isn't. And if you say, well, I think the Bible is God's revelation on paper, and someone says, well, it's not, both of those statements can't be true. And there's plenty of religious systems that are going to fall into category A and some that are going to fall into category B, just like in the most basic categories of God or no God, certainly people are falling into one of those two categories. They're both not right. Someone's right and someone's wrong. If we talk about Jesus being God, you cannot at the same time say, well, that guy says Jesus is not God in the flesh. There is no incarnation that we celebrate here at Christmas every year, that this is not God who preexisted in all eternity, taking on human flesh and being born in a manger in Bethlehem. You can't say, well, that's true. Well, that's your religious truth claim, so that's true for you, but I don't think that God has in, uh, enfleshed himself, has put on human flesh and become incarnate. I, I don't believe that. And, and either you're making an assertion that he did do it or he didn't do it, but they both can't be true. And when it comes to what we're saying to people, hey, you need to get your sins forgiven and be freed from the penalty of your sins. And here's the mechanism you trust in Christ. I cannot say trusting in Christ saves you and then have someone over there say, well, trusting in Christ does not save you and say, well, you're both right. At least if we're talking about the nature of the kind of claim, and we'll look at that more carefully. So conflicting truth claims is very basic, but it's important for us to recognize. It is, as philosophers have said, good philosophers have said, it's just common sense. The correspondence theory of truth is common sense. And it's common sense because this is the way you live in every area of your life until we start speaking of some things, like religion in particular, that we want to put into a category where you can have your truth and I can have my truth. Well, today, by the way, the absurdity of that has gone into much more than religion, as you recognize, right? People are saying, this is my truth and your truth about all kinds of things that even 50 years ago or 25 years ago, no one would have ever said. But religion is one that most people have said, well, let's just say you can say this and say that because it's religion. Number four, the biblical truth claims. We want to summarize these just first by starting by quoting scriptures. And we could spend a lot of time in this, but we've got a long outline. So let me just quote some of the basic and central passages. And if you know these passages, I guess it will be a closed case in terms of what the Bible is claiming. John 14, 6. Many of you have that memorized. And if you don't, you should. And that is that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And that's a very specific, assertive claim. This is what I am. And then he inverts it. And he says, hey, if you don't choose this, if you are not part of asserting this or affirming this, well, then you can't be right with God. No one comes to the Father except through me. So I'm the way. This is my exclusive claim about who I am. And if you reject that, you've got no other option because no one else is going to get you right with God. No one's going to give you access to God as a forgiven person, freed from the penalty of your sin and the exclusion that your sin should bring you. Well, that was the teaching of the New Testament as well. The apostles went out in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, 
And they said exactly what Jesus said. Everything that Jesus said about himself and what he accomplished is the only mechanism and means to get your sins forgiven and to be saved from the penalty of your sins. Salvation, there's salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. These two statements, among others in Scripture, but these two central statements need to be in our minds a clear representation of what we're telling people when they say, I don't think you can say that Christianity is the only way. We're going to say the Bible at least presents itself that way. Jesus is recorded as saying that, and the preaching of the gospel is saying the same thing. There's only one way. There's only one way. As unpopular as that is, it's important for us to quote it, important for us to say it, and to stand on it, and not be swayed from saying it or standing on that truth. John 3, 18, just to give you a few more, two more, I guess. Whoever believes in him, Jesus speaking in the third person about himself, the Son of Man, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but, and inverting it, just to make clear that we're talking about an exclusive claim, whoever does not believe is condemned. And he's not only condemned eternally, he's condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. John 3, 18, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Two verses earlier, you might remember, most famous verse in the Bible for most non-Christians, God so loved the world. You can make that statement and say that to people and it feels good to people because they sentimentalize the word love. Nevertheless, two verses later, you're gonna say, if you don't respond rightly to that, according to Jesus, there's no other way. You trust in him, you're not condemned. You don't trust in him, you are condemned. That's an exclusive claim. That passage wraps up at the bottom of chapter three this way. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not believe or does not obey, because that's what the kind of believing we're talking about in the Bible, is trusting that results in following and obeying the precepts and principles of Christ. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. And what's at stake? The wrath of God remains on him. You can't go anywhere in the New Testament and not find this very clear, exclusive claim. 